I am super excited about a new series we're doing called Rise and Fall. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about what we hold up as a figurehead for what a leader is. How many of y'all know that we need to be rebooted and refreshed by what God's word says more than perhaps any other time in our nation's history about what a leader is? I need you to know that we're not going to disrespect any of our leaders in our nation from this pulpit. In fact, the Bible calls us to honor our leaders and to pray for them. But I will criticize us. I'll criticize our paradigm. I will say that you and me need to read a lot more of this old book that supersedes and precedes cultures and America, and we need to hold this up as our paradigm for what we should follow rather than just listening to what reality TV spits out at us. You need it, and so do I. So yeah, thank you, Lord. That can, that can have a hand. Now, we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about the first four kings of Israel, seeing what we can learn from them by what they exhibit, by what they lack, by how they point to Jesus, and how we, in the same way, need to identify with that and really see God grow us. Now, I'm going to build a little background into 1 Samuel, which we'll be in today. 1 Samuel, you can start turning to chapter 15, but let me set the stage for Samuel. Preceding what we're going to read today was about a two or three hundred year period that was really dark in Israel. God had sent them into the land and told them to do a bunch of stuff and obey him, and they stopped obeying his voice. And it got really dark. It's the book of Judges. If you read through it, it's ugly. It's really hard to read. Any time in history where men do what is right in their own eyes, ugly things happen. So in 1 Samuel, you see a prophet raise up named Samuel. And the people come to Samuel and say, we need a king. You see, they figured they could solve all their problems by a a king. Does that sound familiar at all? Man, the nation's struggling a little bit. We've kind of lost our way. It just couldn't be me that's the problem, right? It's not my failure to hear the word of the Lord and obey it and to follow his voice. Really, what we really need is some elephant or donkey to come and fix everything, right? I mean, same issues that we have now. And so this is extremely relevant. They thought they needed a king. They went after it time and time again. Samuel relents. A king is chosen. The most handsome, the tallest, the most self-confident of men was chosen. His name is Saul. They anointed him king, and Israel was super excited. They were hyped. They were throwing parties. They were being all extra about it. They were getting excited, but the joy just didn't last. Because Saul has a problem. It's the same problem that you and I have. Sin. In exalting himself, things didn't work out very well. He didn't exalt the word of the Lord and listen to the voice of the Lord. He listened to himself, which is kind of a a bad paradigm for something to follow. Follow your heart still doesn't work, just so you know leads to destruction. And we see this. God told Saul here in first, the first part of chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, he told him to utterly devote to destruction Amalek, 
which was an enemy nation. Now we'll talk about why it was God's redemptive will at the time to destroy Amalek. We'll get to that. But let me just tell you, Saul didn't quite obey. He almost did, and he thought that was good enough. He didn't quite devote people and cattle and goods. He, he decided to take a few good things for himself, uh, maybe throw a party. He, he, was, he was religious about his disobedience. He threw a big religious party. He, he wanted to make offerings to the Lord. And he decided as well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and throw a little monument to myself in the middle of this religious celebration. And that sounds familiar too. How many of y'all have seen a post-game interview where pretty much the whole subject of that, that athlete's discussion is a monument to themselves? But, you know, invariably a lot of these guys will throw out that like, you know, well, I want to thank God, or I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it's like totally incohesive with everything else they're saying. This is all about how awesome you are, but you know, as if God needed a little shout-out in the middle of someone else's worship ceremony. And so Samuel throws his big party to himself, blesses God a little bit, and that's when, when or Saul does, that's when Samuel confronts Saul and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm doing what you said. He knew he wasn't doing what he said. He was almost doing what he said. Samuel says, if you're doing what I said, why do I hear cattle? They were supposed to be destroyed. That's where we pick up in verse 17, 1 Samuel 15. And Samuel said to Saul, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission. And he said, go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, verse 20, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought... Agag, the king of Amalek, and I've devoted the Amalekites to destruction. So he leaves out kind of what he didn't quite do. Verse 21, but the people, he says, took the spoil, the sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination or devil worship. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word or the voice of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Verse 24, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and he repeats, the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go away. Saul seized the skirt of his robe, and it tore. 
So sitting, sitting here with a piece of his clothing torn off of him in the hand of this rejected king, he turns, Samuel, verse 28, and says, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, Saul says, I've sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of the people and before Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, please add a supernatural blessing to the reading of your word that's way beyond my words or my opinions or anyone else's here. Help us to listen, to hear, and to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. If you leave with nothing else today, I have one big idea. One idea that I want you to to leave with, and that is this. The voice that you obey determines the person you become. The voice you obey determines the person you become. Now, as it relates to the rise and fall of leadership in and through your life, you can also know that the person you become determines the voice of your influence, which kind of determines the people, uh, what people become under your leadership. And it goes back to this, that the voice you obey determines the person you become. Now, there are three voices that Saul was sorting through in this, and they're all seen in verse 24. Uh, Saul says to Samuel, I've sinned, I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord. So the, the words, the voice of the Lord. And he says, and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So he has these three voices that I see in this that we, like Saul, need to sort through and process is our own voice, the voice of others, and fundamentally, the voice of the Lord. These are the three things that we sort through and that we process. The voice inside us, you know, our self-talk, it's meant to reinforce what God says. That's how we're designed. The people God places around us are also meant to reinforce God's voice. We're meant to process our own self-talk and what God sends us through our thoughts. We're meant to process other people, but we're only meant to obey one voice. That's the voice of the Lord that's revealed through his word. The Holy Spirit continues to speak to us, and we're meant to process all these voices. Now, there's one voice that I didn't mention yet. It's, not, it's a voice that we hear, but we're not meant to process That's the voice of the accuser, the enemy, the devil, Satan. We're meant to reject his voice. And we know what it is because it's exactly not this. His accusation that says, stay far from Jesus, you hypocrite. That's rejected. His perversion, it's rejected. We are meant to process the voice of others in our own voice to reinforce the voice of God. Now, you might say, man, this is really hard. Like, all these voices I'm supposed to process, that's just too much for me. Let me tell you, we can 
deal with temptation to the degree that we can really find ourselves in who God says us to be and allow the loudness of his voice to have the resonance it deserves in our lives. It's way bigger than temptation. It was the great reformer Martin Luther who said, you can't prevent the birds from flying over your heads, but you can prevent them from making a nest in your hair. You can't prevent other voices from speaking Contradictory voices, difficult voices, criticizing voices. But you can prevent other voices from having a root in determining the person you become. The voice you obey determines the person you become. Now let's see how these three voices were processed by Saul and let's learn from him. Can I just tell you, I, especially in my 20s, just didn't do good enough to learn from other people's mistakes in the Bible or around me because I just want to be creative and to repeat them all on my own. I'm just telling you, you don't have to be like me. Let's learn from the Word of God and learn from Saul's mistakes. So the first time I see the voice of Saul in our passage, in our passage his, his voice having a little more preeminence in a wrong way, is verse 17 alludes, alludes to it. Our first verse, Samuel said, "'Though you are little in your own eyes,' Are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? He had allowed himself to be so isolated by his own self-confidence that he was left small because he was left to himself in his own voice instead of abiding in the word of God and the voice and the affirmation and admonition and correction and comfort of God. He was left to himself and he had a smallness about him that, had, that carried with this, this, this neediness. Now you might say, wait a minute, smallness? I mean, this is a prideful man who is building monuments to himself, speaking with all sorts of self-confidence and bravado. It doesn't seem like he was very insecure. Let me just tell you, most arrogance and pride is bound up by an, a deep insecurity. I know for myself, when you hear me speaking with a type of self-confident bravado that's the kind of wrong, prideful, arrogant type, you know, the, you know, look at me type of self-confidence rather than look at God and what he's doing in me kind of bravado. And you know it's, you, you, can, you can sense it, you can smell it, it's not good. When I am speaking with that kind of pride, it has everything to do with my insecurity. And I'm just not quite resting in what God says about me. So my own insecurity and neediness and self-talk manifests in a big bunch of pride. And that's exactly what was going on with Saul here. God was, was speaking to Saul and he was rejecting his words. And that's why Samuel, at the start, this is a pretty, can we all agree, this is a pretty harsh moment for Saul when Samuel's talking to him. And he says, you think you're small, what about what God has made you? He made you king over Israel. Under his voice, who really are you? And he rejected that. Samuel goes on and says, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Well, he didn't obey obey the voice of the Lord because he was busy obeying the voice of his own pride and insecurity. 
his desperate attempt to try to prove something that he was. Now, I know this is just a book written a long time ago. It doesn't relate to us at all anymore, right? Being facetious. How often in your life can you relate to me that you're trying to be self-confident and you're trying, you, you know something's a little off, but you won't slow down and listen to God. You just speed up when things get more hard to try to reinforce, I'm doing it right. If anyone's trying to stop me, slow me down, correct me, they're wrong. They're judgmental. I'm good. I'm a good guy. Nobody's perfect after all, but I'm all right. I'm good, aren't I? That's kind of how Saul was spinning. Do you recognize that voice? I do. When I look at this, I can look at Saul and be like, man, this brother's messed up, but not without seeing, but man, I guess I am too. He was listening to the voice of his own insecurity. It was taking up way too much space. Samuel says, why, don't you, why didn't you listen to the voice of the Lord? Now check out his response. He said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought the king Amalek. I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. Of course, my emphasis mine there. But my point is, with that emphasis, he knew he had disobeyed the Lord. He had just gotten caught red-handed. And he's still spinning and trying to say, no, you don't understand. Let me explain it. No, don't. It doesn't require your explaining. Stop explaining. Stop allowing your voice to override the merciful correction you're receiving in that moment. But, Paul, but Saul wouldn't stop. He's being corrected. He wouldn't stop. But I did, but I did. But no, you just got caught. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Don't allow your insecure, prideful, loud voice to drive you deeper into destruction and allow you to become a darker and darker person. He knows he disobeyed the, the word of the Lord. Now, verse 20, he says all these things that he did do, and this will teach us something about disobedience. The most common form of disobedience that you and I engage in is what I call almost obedience. Like, he almost obeyed the word of the Lord. And he was so confident and secure. Con, con, convicted, but not... He was... He was uh, con- confused about his almost state of obedience. But it was outright disobedience. And you and I, in our lives, the most common form of disobedience is almost obedience. And, and Saul's pride and insecurity of trying to convince himself in the midst of his confusion and, and not listening to the voice of the Lord and trying to reinforce in his own soul that he's okay, he's okay. It just drove him, drove him deeper and deeper into insecurity. And I can relate, and I think you can too. He was the most self-confident man you would see, handsome, tall, and left to his own self-confidence. He learned something. I hope, I don't know, I hope you can learn. And when you look at Saul, all the self-confidence in the world, I don't care how many seminars you've been to, and how great, you're supposed to say you are. You're not outside of the voice of the Lord that makes you fundamentally and eternally a certain type of great. And if we reject that voice and we're left to just ourselves, we let, we're left just as deplete as Saul. We're not meant to be self-affirming. 
We're designed to be God-obeying. The other voice he's sorting through is the voice of others. God puts voices around Saul and he puts voices around you, beloved, to reinforce his voice, to draw you closer to Jesus. Now, the problem with other people is the same problem as you and me, is they're lacking. They miss the mark. And yet, God still designs other people to be around you to drive you closer to God. Flawed people like you. God had put Samuel in Saul's life to drive him closer to obeying the voice of the Lord. He rejected the voice of the Lord, and coincidentally, he also continued to reject the voice of Samuel. And yet, he's still needing to process the voice of others to get some sort of affirmation. And what does he do? He is trying to find his affirmation in the people that he's supposed to be leading, which is never a winning plan. He goes and Saul is going to people that he's supposed to be leading and trying to say, well, it's that they've said that they can sacrifice and, and exalt me before them. He's needing them. It's hard to lead people that you need like that. As I've led this church the last several years, uh, I can tell you what, I get a lot of criticism. Some of it's helpful. Some of it's not. But you know what? It's my job to allow the voice of the Lord to put me in a place of rest so that I can sort through those voices. Some of them bring life. Others don't, but that's okay. I wish I could tell you it's just been a really easy process because I'm so secure. I'm not. And I'll even tell you, I'll even let you even deeper. It's the people that you're closer to that you struggle with the most, right? How many married people do we have in here? Lots of married people, praise the Lord. So I've been married for 11 years so far, and uh, it might not be a whole long time compared to my in-laws over here, but I've, I've got a huge experience of mistakes, like a big list of experience of uh, silly things that I've done and thought. I'll tell you, my wife and I have gotten a lot of arguments over the years, but there's been so many times where I've been, my, my feelings have been hurt by what I've thought she's implying about me or what I think she's believing about me. And as we sort those things out, I realize, you know what? If I am full of what God says about me, then I can take her affirmation as something that builds that up and that draws me closer to her. When I know what God says about me, I can get closer to God through my wife's correction or her, uh, her struggles with me, and it'll draw me closer to her and others. But when I'm deplete and I'm not hearing the voice of the Lord with the security that I need, this is not hypothetically. This is like 2007, 8, 9, 10, Okay. <laughs> And I'm going to my wife, and I'm basically asking her, putting the weight on her to tell me who I am. It's never a winning plan for anyone. And I can't blame it on her when she hurts my feelings, and it totally makes me just totally off my game. God is is the one who wants me to be full of him so that I can, out of overflow, lead her, affirm her, draw her closer to the Lord. And the people in your life, God puts to do the very same. Saul wasn't doing that. He needed the voice of other people. 
He failed to hear God's voice. He was left on his own, and he was trying to get his affirmation from other people. Verse 21. The people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen. You see, all this disobedience that really he was responsible, he was putting on other people. It's their fault. No, we're not talking about them right now. God will deal with them. The topic of conversation is you, is what Samuel's saying to Saul. How many of y'all do that? It's like when God points sin out in my life, I just love to kind of deflect it. Well, the way you're saying this right now kind of hurts my feelings. Okay, we can deal with that. But what's God saying to me? I'm 100% responsible for my part of this. He is blaming the disobedience on the other people. Verse 24, he, he sees it. He sees his issue. He says, I've sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. I wish at that point he would have just been like, okay, I see this. I'm confessing my sin. But he never actually turns and places his faith in God. Even down to the end of our passage and sadly the chapters that follow, he continues to express that, that unsatisfied need to get his affirmation from the voice of other people. And it never satisfied, satisfies. His desperate attempt to look to others' voices to affirm him, to tell him who he is and where he should go, is never going to allow Saul or you or me to be in a place where we're affirmed like we should be. Should be. Think about our, our generation. When we're feeling just kind of discouraged or whatever, we kind of seek for others' affirmation all the time. Like, oh man, it's been a hard day, but I got like 17 likes on my Instagram, so I'm all right, <laughs> right? I, mean, I didn't open my Bible today, but you know, might be 18 next time I check. I mean, we, come on, let's, what is God saying about me? And can my voice and other people's voices reinforce what he's saying? The voice of the Lord is the most fundamental thing. It's the last thing I want to talk about. The most fundamental thing. These, these words preach themselves. So I'm going to read it again. Verses 22 and 23. Samuel says to Saul, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen is better than the fat of rams. For a rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as the iniquity of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word or the voice of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. When we humble ourselves and, and exalt the voice of the Lord above our own voice and the voice of others, only then are we enlarged as we ought to be. God speaks to us. And how easy is it for us to think, okay, instead of doing that, humbling myself, slowing down and listening, I'll spin in all sorts of religion. God's not pleased with religious offerings and like, let me just do these things and say God bless you and go to church extra and all those things. No, he, he wants you to obey him, to humble your precious heart. You are a child I know you, you, can, you can have a great job and be an adult and all sorts of stature, but look, you're a precious child before God, and he wants the same thing for you as he does for my two-year-old. 
listen and obey the voice of the Lord. It says here that a failure to listen and obey is categorically the same as devil worship. It can be religious devil worship, seem Christian-like, but he wants you to simply slow down, listen and obey his voice. Today uh, is my 20th birthday. Um, I turned 20 uh, on September 17th. I thought it was the 18th. I just found out it's the 17th of 1997 I was born into the faith. Uh, so I'm really 34. I was 14 years old. Some of y'all didn't wish me a happy birthday. I forgive you. But on September 17th, I walked into a room and I saw a bunch of people who were, I could clearly were hearing something I wasn't hearing. And in the middle of that moment, a moment like this, I heard the sound. I heard the still, small, affirming voice of the Lord that said, this is who you are and this is the person you'll become. And I surrendered my life to Jesus in a campus ministry. That was on a Wednesday. That same week on a Saturday, the campus missionary that was on our high school campus invited me over to his house. And I rode my bike to his house. And you know what he wanted me to do? He wanted me to train my ears to hear that voice better. How did he do that? It's about to get practical right now, guys. He had me memorize scriptures. I'll never forget the first verse I memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will strengthen your paths and straighten your paths. Are you trying to straighten your own paths? Stop it. (coughs) Trust in the voice of the Lord. Slow down. Listen. Obey. Uh, I memorized that 20 years ago. And even a few years ago, I had a pastor take me aside and basically tell me the same thing. Slow down. One of my mentors, a pastor, Rich Brown in Abilene, he took me aside and he said, as a leader of this church, you basically have two jobs. Hear God. Obey. As a leader of your family. As a leader of, of the people you have influence over. As the one responsible to listen and obey Those are your two tasks, too. The voice you obey determines the person you become. Saul chose other voices, and he brought destruction on the people of God and on himself. Instead of obeying God and bringing destruction to God's enemies. Now, I know this is probably hard, and it probably should be hard for us to process how God would demand that Saul devote to destruction a whole bunch of people. So before we close, can we carefully think about this? God is righteous. And sometimes maybe we don't fully understand why he would choose to judge certain people in the way, but listen, in a certain way, but in the same way, I don't quite understand why he's chosen not to judge me. Because as a righteous God, he has every reason to destroy me, and he didn't. And it's not because I'm more special or better. But God is righteous, and he makes choices in history. And at that point in redemptive history, when he told Saul to go in 
and to cleanse the land and, and the evil pagan practices. God said he didn't want any of these things. And he said he wanted his nation to live in a place where Saul would listen and obey and to devote to destruction. That was God's redemptive will at the time. Now, since the resurrection of Jesus, the people of God are not an external people. They're not a theocracy, a political a nation, a group of people, the people of God are a holy priesthood, a royal nation. It's a spiritual people. And things have changed in some ways. But listen, God has not changed. I need to make that as clear as I can. I completely reject the notion that the God of the Old Testament is somehow different than the God of the New Testament. It's the same holy Voice, the same righteous and loving voice that created everything is the same one who sent Saul to destroy Amalek and he also sent Jesus to save the world. And as it relates to these things, you need to know that God still destroys sin. It's still his will today in this room to destroy sin. The same God that told Saul to destroy the Amalekites is the very same Heavenly Father that sent His perfect and innocent Son to be destroyed so that you and I could be restored. So Saul failed to fully devote to destruction the Amalekites, but Jesus fully obeyed the voice of the Lord and willingly devoted Himself to destruction for our sake. Saul didn't obey the voice of the Lord, and what kind of person did he become? Rejected, defeated, demonized. The voice you obey is the person you become. Jesus obeyed though, saying before the night before he chose to die for your sin and for mine, he said, God, not you, Father, not you, my will, but yours be done. And he listened to God's voice and becoming, as Philippians 2 says, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It says in verse 9, he shed innocent blood on behalf of guilty people like you and me. And verse 9 says, therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He devoted himself to destruction so that we could have life. And he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father and his voice still speaks. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Learn of me, you'll find rest for your souls. Would you pray with me?